This episode of Strange Assembly is brought to you by www.l5rsearch.com. L5rsearch.com is a comprehensive online L5R card database with tools to assist in optimizing your decks, proxying cards, or simply finding out about unusual cards. Once you know what you need, www.l5rshop.com puts cards in your hands quickly and economically. This is Strange Assembly, Episode 78, Tehoon. Never Stop Gaming. Strange Assembly is a podcast and website about board games, card games, and role-playing games. Legend of the Five Rings, and beyond. I'm Chris Stevenson, and Strange Assembly is here today with our third Winter Court 3 interview. Also here with me is Ralph Tropiano, who played Shinjo Tehun at Winter Court 3. Hey, Ralph. Hey, Chris. How are you? And as usual, uh, we're going to be going to someone from that clan's delegation to get a more distinctive perspective on Winter Court 3. So why don't you let us know what your thoughts are, Ralph? Well, uh, the Unicorn delegation was, I think, smaller than some, and, you know, we had some activity issues. I think for the most part, Kimiono and I were the two most active, and then Lishan and Tomoyasu were a little bit more active, and that was about it for us. So we had a lot to do, and not everybody was necessarily the best character type to get things done. Taehyun had the advantage of having some courtly skills, so even though he was a bushi, he wasn't completely out of his depth when, when he had to get into some of the uh, political maneuvering and negotiations. And I hope, hopefully, I was able to, to bring that across. Um, it's, it's often hard to, to know if your character is really coming across the way you're trying to, to make them appear. Well, he seemed to come off as a reasonable fellow to me, so a little sneaky at times, out of character. You may have heard me mention with Dan, I, I noticed a couple of Tehun's little maneuvers with uh, the treaties. I think you guys agreed to agreed with the crane not to ship any unicorn goods by sea, and then you came to an arrangement with the Mantis where you would sell your goods to the Mantis, and then they'd sell them back to you at a slightly higher price once they got yeah. to the colonies. And yes. then you made some kind of agreement with the Mantis that if the crane affected unicorn territory with the river project, then you would join with the Mantis to economically crush them, and then you leased a strip along the edge of the river through unicorn lands to the crane, so if they would only be affecting crane lands... Exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, for, for Taehyun as a character, it wasn't his role to get us embroiled in any kind of conflicts. And so I thought that the best way to do that was to state clearly with people that you wanted to, no part of any conflict that they were in. The Mantis and Crane being the most obvious, but the Spider were looking for 
support against the the lion and the crab as well. Um, and I just point blank told people, we're not getting involved in your fight. And, you know, the Mantis wanted us to get involved, even if it's only economically, in their war with the crane. And because Taehyun had the brash disadvantage, uh, when, when Saigo brought the plans that the crane were up to in terms of their river project, uh, I thought it was fairly natural for him to take a, a fairly extreme reaction to it and agree to a lot of what Saigo was putting forward um, in terms of a joint economic action against the crane. And then after the fact, when you have a chance to think about it and then talk with the crane delegation about it, I, I realized that there, there needed to be some way out of what he had already agreed to with the Mantis. <laughs> And, you know, and yeah, so Taehyun was certainly capable of being sneaky when he needed to be. Yeah, and were, if I recall correctly, were the, the unicorns two goals, the the caravan rights, and then supporting the ivory champion? Yes, it was, we had to get trade rights uh, with each of the other clans, and we were supposed to support and increase the power and prestige of the Ivory Champion, which is one of those nebulous goals that, in in the overall scheme of how the whole of Winter Court played out, I don't know if we did that or not. I guess, to a certain extent, we, we kept him alive, but... <laughs> you you kept him alive there, Tehun, Te but you uh you also fought against him correctly. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that was yeah. Well, and the lion had the same kind of issue, right? One of their goals was increase the prestige of the second city guard, and then they ended up fighting against the second city guard. So I'm not sure how that is going to be counted for whoever's counting these things, if they even are racking them up. It's not like there are. It's not like they were handing out points or something for whether or not you had achieved your goals, I don't think. Right, and the goals were... It's one thing to say, hey, get caravan rights everywhere. That's that's pretty cut and dried. You either do it or you don't do it. When, when you get into something that's a little more subjective about whether or not you achieved it, um, that's yeah, that gets a little bit trickier. Um, I would have rather had it be a sort of a guideline when you're in, you know, what you're doing, try and keep in mind that the ivory champion is a member of our clan and we want to support him in ways that we can, but to make it a flat goal, it just seems, how do you measure it? Yeah. There's no real metric to tell you, Hey, I've, I've done this and done a good job. You know, the whole spiritual advisor thing was, I mean, was first, it was very frustrating, both for me as a player and for Taehyun as a character, because the people who were supporting it, I, I'm, I'm not sure that any of them have ever had a debate class or 
any sort of logical argument in in their thinking because it just didn't add up and and we had an early conversation with one of the phoenix and the way it came across for me was i said here's all of the reasons why we don't think this is necessary and their response came across like yeah but we want it yeah, well, and you had the, I don't remember which Phoenix it was, but that was when one of the Phoenix challenged you to a Teryugia duel or something? Oh, that, the, was, that was after that. The, okay. the full conversation was with Tycho. And I said, you know, I laid out, okay, there's been no evidence that this is necessary. You know, and, and, and I rattled off a bunch of reasons why I was opposed to it. And Tycho's response basically boiled down to, but we want it. And I tried again. And after three or four attempts to try, I said, well, tell me why. Give me an example of what, what's not being done that this position would do. And I just couldn't get an answer. And then Kojiko came to our embassy and started talking about this. And yeah, challenged me to this duel and, that was actually, I, I know that the player was the husband of the player of Kimiono. And so our out of character chat thread suddenly blew up. Because <laughs> I was like, you know, there's already been a duel where a player character was killed. If you read Taehyun's fictions, it would not be an over the top reaction for me to grab this phoenix by by the front of his kimono and start just punching him in the face because that's in Taehyun's past he did that to Kazushige um in in his the fiction from the Kotes yeah and so but then I was I was just kind of like you know what I I don't want to do that with another player <laughs> unless I'm given no real choice and so I just opted for the throwing him out and cutting off all negotiations with the Phoenix until they addressed the issue. And I think that Tycho tried to say something to Taehyun in court two or three days later. Um, and I said, I'm not having anything to do with this until you address this issue. And they didn't. In character, they didn't know that it had happened. So then the player of Tycho sent me a PM and was sort of like, we don't know what to do. We can't, our, our delegation had, had, I think on Tycho had a death in the family. So they weren't playing at the time. And Kojiko's player was stepping out of the game and they didn't know what to do. And I said, talk to your ambassador. And that's when the Phoenix ambassador came to the Unicorn Embassy and and got involved to make make the problem uh, go away. But that was that was an entertaining entertaining little uh, diversion early on in Winter Court. Yeah. Now, it, yeah, that whole secret thing was uh, interesting. I know that the Phoenix were not happy with. Me slash Tsukihime. <clears throat> but for, I guess, um, 
hijacking their goal. I guess because of how, because of, uh, Megumi getting sick and not, that not getting announced as early as it would have been, I was expecting to have to deal with some sort of political blowback from somebody or another, and there just wasn't really time for that to happen. I think, unfortunately, a lot of things sort of got hit that way during the course of Winter Court. Um, you know, threads that just managed to not get wrapped up from day 17 or 18 until day, you know, we're on day 30. And you think, wow, if, if I had known this was going to go this way, then these things that I did on day 20 would have been probably a little different. Um, and that's, that's, that's the hard thing with a play by post game where, where there's not a hard cap on when you have to stop posting on certain days threads. And, and I get it. You just can't do that with, with something as big as winter court, but there were certainly things that, that could have gone and probably would have gone differently if the earlier threads had been able to get to their resolution before the, uh, the later threads really got going. That seemed to become more of an issue, at least to me, once you got into the active siege thing, because now all of a sudden the thread from yesterday, you know, it could be some earth shaking consequence about what does or doesn't happen. You know, you have, Oh, it's, Day 30 has started, and all of a sudden we find out that last night, Ango managed to get back in with more information from Shinjo Kento or, or or something. And okay, now we're trying to respond to that in like one real day before everything just blows up the next day. But eh, maybe that was just our experience. Maybe that was because we kept dithering, we, I kept dithering on what exactly we should do, whereas it seems like most of the delegations just picked their course pretty immediately after the siege started, but I don't know, I'm not sure how much internal debate did did your side have on, I guess, which unicorn commander to, to follow? Um, there, was a, there was a fair amount of, of discussion among us. Um, Lishan and Tamayasu pretty much were doing whatever Taehyun said. And I didn't really want to be as a player in the position where everybody was playing follow the leader, um, Kimi Ono was really opposed to us supporting the Legion, um, which was evident from her own actions, which showed up in the fiction when she went to Selu and, and sort of ratted us out. Um, but it was, I mean, all perfectly in character for her. Um, and so, and we tried to get some feedback from our ambassador, and, and we really, I don't know why. I, I mean, I've talked with the GM since, and I know that they had people bail on them, they had people get sick, but we kind of slipped through the cracks as far as the GMs went. And so anytime we asked for any kind of guidance from our ambassador, we basically got a, well, figure it out yourselves kind of message. And, you know, other than that, our only interaction with, with our ambassador was I would send in a letter with a treaty proposal and I, w- and I would get a response back saying that looks good. Yeah. 
Well, I think I think that was our our primary interaction with our ambassador too. I guess that particular aspect of it, I had taken to be intentional. I know we had a few interactions early early on where I think the message was a very loud and clear. It is up to you guys. Like there is this ambassador here, but the ambassador here, the ambassador is not here to tell you what you are supposed to do. So when it got around to the end. Of course, I mean, realistically, I, I air quote that since this is all, you know, made up, it's every delegation would go to their ambassador and the ambassador would tell them what to do. And I, I know for us, I didn't even go to Shimada and be like, so what do you want us to do about this situation? Because the response was going to be, you know, the, the out of character translation or the response was going to be, you're the player characters, you have to make up your own minds. So. Right. And that's, you know, Ultimately, that that's what it comes down to. But I guess when we we couldn't get a lot of interaction going before hard decisions had to get made. Uh-huh. And I'm one of those players who rarely wants to bother a GM with anything. I I always have taken the approach of if I'm doing something that attracts a GM's attention, great. You know, and hopefully there's enough GMs watching that. Everybody can get involved in in something other than just their role playing with the other players. Um, and this is my second winter court, and I'm starting to think that if you really want to get interaction with the GMs and into storylines or plots that are not player based then you have to really kind of go out of your way to pester them a lot to get to get their attention and that's i mean that's that's a hard thing for me to want to do I and mean, i know how hard their work i don't really want to um make a stink or or make a, a nuisance out of myself but i think at one point i know i know that the other unicorn were frustrated by the fact that it just seemed like we weren't that nobody was paying attention to us. And so before the military district fell, but after Renu had blown down the wall, I started a thread that had Taehyun walking through the military district in full armor. And I think I posted something at about 10 o'clock at night on a Friday. And the next morning, it was eight or ten hours later, I put another post in, like basically him walking through another section of the military district and taking note of the defenses and how the defenders were set up and everything else. And I posted about every eight to ten hours in this thread, seeing if a GM would even bother to post like, hey, what are you doing here? Get out. Um, And I got nothing. (laughs) I mean, there was zero response from the GMs. Apparently, there was no issue with, you know, with this guy walking around the district in armor and taking notes and doing what he wanted to do. And I think eventually one of the uh, Crane players uh, popped into the thread. You know, so there was there was a certain feeling that nobody was paying attention to us, and I had uh, early on. In fact, before Winter Court started, I had asked the GMs about the whole Oracle of Thunder thing with with Taehyun, and 
I talked to Rusty, and he had said, I think I exchanged him private messages with him on one of the forums, or maybe it was one of the other story team guys, and they said, yeah, we didn't really have anything in mind with that when, when they threw that in. It was just kind of uh, one of those cliffhangers that gets out there that never really goes anywhere. And I said, well, is there any problem with me deciding that the answer to this question of where he should go is the colonies? And the unicorn GM said, nah, go for it. And I said, okay. And so I, I threw that out there. And I want to say around day 24 or 25, I was trying to figure out some way to get involved in, in what was going on. And so I did send the GMs a message. I think I sent it to, to Tenjin at first and Inari because Inari was our ambassador. And I said, Hey, you know, I'd like to see if we can maybe work this into something. And so they threw it up to Daikoku and I think Muzaka and Megumi and I got back a, well, what did you have in mind? And I said, well, I don't know what's possible. And I threw out, you know, three or four different suggestions, including at that time a duel with the Ivory Champion. You know, and I said, there's a lot of different ways it can come about. Um, and they, uh, they, they gave me reasons why none of those things were workable. Um, the Ivory Champion had plot armor all the way through, so he was going to live on, live through this. And I had sent them a suggestion about, well, maybe there could be something with Sudokin. And I didn't get a response. And then the next day, Sudokin gets captured by the Legion. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I just gave up. I said, all right, you know, I'm just going to play and, and, and not I guess I'll, I won't really be a part of the larger doings because nobody cares. <laughs> and when they, they told us to do our wrap up threads, I, you know, I, I wrote the wrap up thread and then I, I put at the end of it a couple of paragraphs. I said, and you're not asking for this and I'm not mad or angry or anything else. I'm just a little frustrated. So here's how this is felt from a unicorn perspective. And I just basically laid out the fact that everybody else had stuff to do. You know, you had that, the play at the beginning where magistrates got to investigate it and try and figure out who was behind it and all that. You know, you had the Bakanoko and the Kenku out there, you know, that people were interacting with. The Scorpion had all kinds of interaction with, with that whole thing that got the governor out of the city. Um, which if you want, we can talk about that too. But I said, and the unicorn, basically we got nothing. <laughs> and then I got a PM the next morning from Daikoku asking me if I wanted a dual cello. <laughs> so I was kind of like, well, yeah. <laughs> I asked <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Uh, which is the, the whole process of that ended up stepping all over your thread with uh, you and uh, the Mantis um, confronting him. <laughs> yeah, that was okay. I mean, that it, part of a large part of that, it, it, you know, even if you hadn't been doing your thing, was that we were 
trying, because we were reacting to things as they were happening, we were trying to put together something large on very short notice, and it was contingent on multiple GMs, because there was one playing, you know, a different GM was doing cello than was doing the Chancellor in the court, and the thing and stuff in the court was supposed to happen before anybody would actually draw steel on anyone else outside. So I, I, I think we kind of fell prey to timing, even if that there hadn't been the, the issue with, yeah, with, oh, look, Selu, uh, <laughs> Selu gets dueled by Tehun later in the day. So, hmm, so much for us convincing him of anything now. <laughs> I know. And I, and I kind of felt bad about it because I know how hard it is to get in that situation where, where you're interacting with that GM NPC. And then you see another thread going on that you know completely <laughs> over what you were trying to do. But at that point, when they asked me if I wanted to do that, I was like, well, I'm not, not about to say no. Uh, and, you know, and, I, and I've had some, some other, you know, messages back and forth with the different GMs and, you know, and, and they apologize and they said, you know, and I said, look, it's not a big deal. Um, but and I'm not really one to like I said I'm not one to go out of my way looking for GM attention. Um, I'm gonna do things the way I think my character would, and it would be great if somebody was paying attention and you know gave those PCs who were you know doing things that way something to do. But it doesn't always work out, especially when you've got whatever it was, a hundred players and supposed to have been, you know, 10 or 11 GMs and half of them are gone within three weeks of court starting. Yeah. It almost feels like <laughs> it's sort of like, how many GMs do we, do we think we need? Okay. Double it. Okay. Now double that. We need at least that many GMs at the start of winter court. I don't know where you'd get that many GMs, but well, that's, that's the thing. I mean, and for the most part, I thought the GMs, you know, really did a great job representing their characters and everything else. Um, you know, there are some that I really wasn't fond of, of the characterization that was put forward, but I don't know what source material or, or you know, character write-ups they had. Um, so, you know, I'm certainly not going to question it. It just wasn't how I envisioned it. And I think that's one of the things that carries into a play-by-post game like this is that we all have our own vision of what Rokugan is and what it means to be Rokugani and what it means to be a Bushi in Rokugan or a courtier. And while a lot of those points of view may be similar, I doubt that very many of them are exactly the same. And then you get them all thrown in together, and people will think that somebody else is acting in a way that's inappropriate, and for the way they view it, it's not. Um, and so that can make uh, that can make things a little bit weird. But text-based games can always uh, have moments where you have to scratch your head a little bit. I know that. Mia Tengai, I honestly don't know how he survived the early part of court. When Shizuka 
announced to the governor that he had approached the Scorpion, I think, about trying to contact the Legion after the governor had said no contact with the Legion. Yeah. It just got swept under the rug, and I thought, why is this? And then I thought, wow, maybe he's the governor's stooge, and he's out there, you know, trying to get other people to betray the governor. You know, I mean, I was, I could not for the life of me figure out how that particular character managed to keep coming up smelling like roses. You know, it, it felt like there were a lot of, that, that maybe there was just so much going on in the multi-party argument in that conversation that it got, yeah, Megumi lost track of exactly who was accusing whom of what. And I think that we all, I know at least I did, going in there expecting Tsukihime to be much less unforgiving than she ended up being. It was Shizuka was making an accusation about Tengai because Tengai was making an accusation about Satoshi, Satoshi, and then Teiko was making an accusation about Satoshi as well, like all at the same time, because everybody was still mad about the debate, I think. Yeah, the debate. As well, it was, but again, that was that was actually something that I wondered if Tengai was not a native English speaker and was because his interpretation of what Satoshi was saying, I couldn't get. I I tried to parse Satoshi's statements every different way that I could imagine, and I could never get to where Tengai was going with it. And so then I just said, I I don't think he understands. Um, and I could be wrong. I, I don't know. Well, I think that was just a misinterpretation, or at least what I would think is a misinterpretation of of how that that works, basically. I think somebody actually ended up, somebody not, I think somebody not in Winter Court reading that, then started a thread asking about that sort of thing on the AEG main forums about how something like that would work. And this is, Chris, I'm breaking into the middle of the interview here because you're about to hear a section where I talk about an exchange in Winter Court between Kitsu Satoshi and Mia Tengai, but I keep using the wrong word, and I'd like you to actually be able to have some idea what I'm talking about. I, I keep saying in the passage that you're about to hear that there was a question about whether or not Satoshi had insulted Mia Tengai. That was not the question. The question was whether or not Kitsu Satoshi had challenged Mia Tengai as opposed to a situation where possibly Satoshi had insulted Tengai, which would require Tengai himself to issue a challenge to Satoshi. Sorry about that. Satoshi was saying, you, Mia Tengai, are insulting someone. And then what Tengai said, well, it's an insult for you to say that I'm insulting someone? Which I don't think follows. But Because Satoshi actually sent me a PM. He's like, did I... I want to make sure I'm playing this right. Did you see me insult Tengai in there? Like, nope. I <laughs> there were plenty of bad arguments being made, but <laughs> by Satoshi, but I didn't see him insulting anyone. And that was everybody. I think that both sides were making some good points and some really bad points 
frequently involving trying to twist what the other side was saying in in ways that it wouldn't bear. But I, well, I think that Tayun made a point of constant whenever somebody tried to turn his words into something that they weren't, he kept calling them on it. And I know that Tycho and uh, Tombo Tyra both were were guilty of of trying to do that during that debate and. Taeyun was having none of that. Uh, it's 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 too obvious a ploy, um, and I, so I, I didn't think it was out of character. Especially, like I say he has enough courtier skill to be able to handle himself with words. That that I felt like it was uh, it was appropriate to to call them on on those shenanigans, but I think that. You know, there were a lot of things that people did that I don't think they expected the responses that they got when the Sapoon originally put that, the whole spiritual champion thing out in, on like day one of court. <laughs> um, and so I know Taehyun got into it with him a little bit. And then there was Tanzaki who was, I mean, I that was another guy who I did I just didn't get, but you know so Taehyun pretty much lashed into him pretty harshly in the middle of court. Yes, because Tenzaki was talking to Harumi at the time. <laughs> he said my horse was smarter than him. <laughs> uh. And and the thing is, is that if you're gonna play a skilled courtier which I assume Tanzaki was supposed to be, you should have some facility with words. I thought I gave him plenty of openings there to take advantage of, and he didn't. And then I, when I talked with Shizuka about it afterwards, you know, after, like I say, again, that whole brash trait was kicking in there with Tanzaki, and I apologized to Shizuka, you know, for going after the guy so so vehemently in court and I said, but he was out of line. And you know, and Shizuka in private to Taehyun pretty much acknowledged that yes he was out of line and they didn't have a problem with anything that I had done. <laughs> so I thought, wow, okay. I guess I get away with one. Uh, yeah, T- Tanzaki obviously, since he ended up getting killed, well almost killed by someone else in his own delegation, obviously uh, had some kind of problems with other people in his delegation. And he also, I think he was one of two different characters who ran into issues with two different second wave characters who ran into issues with the story that they made up for why it was that they got there late. And both of them involving you guys, actually, because right, that's what, that's how the whole thing with Shinju and Kimiono started is, Shinju comes up and talks about how she just got into the city, even though the city's in the middle of the siege, and then goes to present the Daisho, and then Tenzaki comes up with this thing about getting attacked by bandits. And Yeah. Well, the the thing with, with Shinju was... Uh, that, that was vexing, not just as a character, but... You know, I was trying pretty hard to have some sort of decent relations with the lion. Um, Taehyun and Toshiguri definitely seemed to 
you know, have a common way of looking at things. Um, I, th- I think they both shared a certain sense of honor that, that came across in, in their relations with each other. And Satoshi and I were fine until the dice show came into it. And I, you know, we had these meetings where I say, look, your guy, you've known for six months that a couple of hundred unicorn got wiped out to a man and that Gaijin were dragging their bodies away. And you said nothing. And you can't tell me anything about the Gaijin who did it. You, I mean, you, you can't tell me where it happened. You can't tell us anything. And they're like, we don't know anything about it. And I finally, I asked for a sincerity role and I, I, neither one of us have sincerity. So, but I won the role and the GMs tell me, yeah, you know, they're not telling you the whole truth. And, you know, when I tried to, to role play that out, they basically were, you know, they, they weren't accepting that I knew that they weren't, that they were lying to us about it. Um, and, I just, at that point, I said, you know, Dace and I spent, exchanged a lot of, of PMs over that, and we basically both felt like we got handed a, a no-win situation because he couldn't tell us, and we couldn't let it go. And so that felt like there's really nothing that, that any of us can do to resolve that situation. And, and I don't like to see that come up in the course of a game. Uh, fortunately, most of the players uh, that that I interacted with, if there was a question about something, we could exchange a couple of PMs and make sure that we were all clear on the circumstances and you know what the best way to to proceed from there was. Uh, you know and. I don't know that 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 always happens. Um, You know, I don't know what your experience was as far as that goes, but you were one of the people who always PM'd me if we were talking about something that needed clarification out of character so that our characters were getting it right. (laughs) Yeah, I usually try to to do that. I, I don't know. I mean, if you were following the dragon stuff, there was a little issue with that near the end, but that was internal to the delegation actually I, w- I was kind of jealous I don't know if you noticed but the forums they did the settings wrong when they locked the forums and there was about half a day where players could see everything that went on in every other embassy you still can it's back to that again but I, I think maybe I'm wrong but I think if you go and look, you'll notice that there are some threads that are gone. Like, I know drag the dragon had and the unicorn had relatively lengthy, and a lot of the clans had, relatively lengthy out-of-character discussion threads. And I don't think those are there anymore. Huh. I don't, I don't know. Um, I know that we had a... Certainly we had one, and I, I can look because I have the ability to do that. Um, we all still have that bookmark, let's face it. Um, yeah, you're right. Our out-of-character uh, thread is gone. So, yeah, they... they but I, I was really enjoying reading some of that stuff because 
it was interesting to me to see how badly some players misread Taehyun and his motivations. Um, there was some stuff in the, in the Phoenix thread that, uh, you know, they, they were making these sort of crazy statements about what Taehyun's motivations were and what, you know, that it had to do with the player having this, you know, attitude about something. And I was thinking, wow, you know, you, you don't know the character sheet, but, you know, the, when you have disadvantages like brash and idealistic and driven defend the empire, you know, that, that, that will propel a lot of your decision making for you. Um, and so when there was a talk about why different people are supporting the governor or supporting the legion, um, and you know how we had to put something in on our experience, uh, posts, you know, which side were we leaning towards? And, you know, I, right from the get go, Taehyun did not like the governor, but he didn't have any information to go against her. Um, and so it wasn't until, uh, the testimony from the legionnaires started filtering in that he really decided to go against the governor. He was looking for a reason to, but he didn't have one until that happened. He just, I mean, he disliked being cooped up in the city and he disliked being told that he couldn't talk to a legionnaire. That, that made no sense to him. But there was a lot of people who were throwing out in, in the public out of character threads that people were, you know, metagaming based on the torn asunder fictions and, um, that they jumped ship and were against the governor because the first fiction, you know, made her out to be, you know, a traitor and she was being thrown out of her family and, and all of that. And, you know, I, that stuff never entered into my head. Yeah, well, and I think I, yeah, I, I think after you had, I, I remember that part of the thread, and so people were making relatively blunt statements, and I think I actually said something after that that I, not for you and specifically, or even necessarily anyone consciously, but I did think it, it's, it's hard for me to not think that that played some role. Right on top of each other, you had Torn Asunder Part 1, where she's labeled a traitor in the Imperial Court, and then, you had the out-of-character thread about the, well, if you support Kinto, this will happen. And if you, you know, like, if you don't support the governor, then you might lose your treaties. And there was a, a some phrases used by, uh, by Tenjin, I think, that basically amounted to, to, to boiling the situation down to having to choose between your honor supporting Kinto or your stuff supporting the governor. And, at least for me, it's, it's hard not to think that when you look at the timing of, of how everything happens and overall, that that's not in the back of, of people's minds. And I include my own mind in, in that, you know, how it's very hard to try to, to think on such a, on a, such a close, what I think is, is a relatively close question of, you know, to think that, oh, these, these sort of out of character statements aren't in any way influencing 
you know, my own thought process or, or other people's thought processes, even if not in a deliberate sort of way. I don't think anybody sat down and said, oh, there's Torn Asunder Part 1, therefore I am going to change what my character was going to do. Sure. I mean, and I think, I think that certainly it, it, it has to have some kind of an impact because you, you can't not know that that's there. But I kind of looked at it, I guess, and I said, you know what? I, this is part one of this fiction. I don't know that this is how it's going to end. Um, you know, I don't know anything about, you know, where this is really going to go. And I, I was a history major in school and you can find conflicting histories on an awful lot of events. And so I've always sort of taken the, the approach as a person that you have to be able to read through everything and boil it down and then come draw your own conclusions. And in the case of characters in Winter Court, this is what I have to draw my conclusions from. I don't have these stories. I have this culture that tells me that if somebody's of a certain status and they say this is how it is, then that's how it is. But then you get into the interpretations, and I think it came up in that out-of-character thread of, well, if Kinto is here as a representative of the Emerald Champion, then does his word carry more weight than the governor's? Because he's speaking as a representative of the Emerald Champion. And that gets into, I think, a legitimate gray area within the culture. Because Kinto doesn't outrank the governor, but if he's speaking with the Emerald Champion's voice, then he does. Um, and I think that uh, that really might have led to, you know, I think I, I remember some arguments in the forums about, you know, how can you take his word? Well, I'm not taking his word. I'm taking the Emerald Champion's word that that's why he's here. Um you know, and, and I think I think that the lack of communication or the non-communication thing really worked against the governor because it made it made certain I know some characters not trust her. Um, but the like you said, you know, your honor or your stuff. Taehyun had a scene with the spider and the mantis the day before the mass battle stuff started, and. Tarao and Akurai both said their deals with the governor, you know, the, the deals that they had been working on were more important to them than their duty to the empire. And, you know, that's, that's where, you know, Taehyun said that I think I'm done here. <laughs> As he had been trying to convince the spider that Hey, you know, everybody always calls you the bad guys. Here's a chance for you to support the Empire. And, you know, maybe people who are not, I mean, the people who hate you categorically, it's not going to change. You know, the crab are still going to hate you. The lion are still going to hate you. But some of the other clans who are maybe a little more on the fence might say, hey, they did the right thing. And, and then, you know, 
that all kind of blew up too. Um, you know, Yamazaki deciding to try and get out to the dojo and getting caught. You know, and then the whole thing with apparently Omagawa got dressed up as a handmaiden too. I'm not really sure how he got out of the city with the rest of them because I, I, that that well the whole escape thing is kind of a lose for me as a player. And, and I know I heard Dan say it, and somebody else who was involved in it both made references to, well, this isn't a deus ex machina. And I said, and immediately I thought, no one but you has even brought up the term. <laughs> makes me think that you know that it is. Yeah, I, well, I was surprised that they had to do that. I My out-of-character assumption the whole time had been Tsukihime is going to get out. I, I mean, she has to, she is going to, I mean, maybe even not the whole time. It was as soon as they announced the whole, if you don't support the governor, your treaties are at risk. That entire possibility was based on her being able to continue to influence events after winter court, which meant that she had to survive. So I, I was just surprised that she didn't have her own way of getting out. Yeah. I think if the players hadn't done something, the GMs would have had to make something up to get her out. Well, and I think that the the notion that she did not have her own escape plan. Now, if if somebody went to her and said, we want to help you, and if she had said, I have a way to get out, and if you want to support me, then come with me, I, I think it could have been handled a little differently. I, I guess what I got out of all of that was that apparently everybody else in the Empire is a total buffoon, and the Scorpion are all laughing maniacally and wringing their hands together as they fool everybody again. Because nobody in the Legion would think that they might try to sneak out. Nobody in the Legion would think that the Scorpion, of all people, might have a hidden way out of the the Imperial District, and that it might go through a business that they control, and that Nobody in the Legion would think that if the Scorpion were going to do something like this, they'd probably use one of the you know, officers or sergeants in the Legion that was sympathetic to them, probably another Scorpion, and that nobody in the Legion would think that if they were going to try and escape that they might do it by boat. Uh, you know, I mean, there's just so many things there that rely on utter incompetence by everybody around them. And I get that they put a lot of effort into their plan, um, which relied on a lot of NPCs and GM support and interaction. You know, so uh, there's there's some things that happened there. And I'm not saying their plan was a bad one. I'm just saying that it it relies on everybody else having blinders on, and that's what to me made it feel like. Uh, like it was just kind of, I guess it was boring. You know, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, I would I would have liked for the for there to have been a more interesting way of getting her out. Um, but again, it's a plan that comes together that you know people were. And this all came out when people were making their metagaming arguments, and I thought, is supporting the governor metagaming? Or is you planning your escape attempt the day before you know that other clans, because we've been doing everything 
in public threads that everybody can read have their own plans going and you just happen to get out just ahead of all of that happening. You know, and I get the timing. Everybody knew when the attack was going to come and all of that. But out of character, they didn't know that. So there was there was a whole lot of things that when people start casting those aspersions, I think you have to be careful because you're opening up a can of worms that everybody can be, you know, can be accused of. And so it's 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 tough when you're really viewing those things and i know some people had inside baseball on on a lot of things that were going on um and and you know i imagine that i knew about things that other people didn't that's just sort of the nature of the beast but that's my on the way the game you know the governor escaped <laughs> <laughs> i'll say well you you mentioned in the summer the scorpion are are just laughing at us all. Did you look at the Scorpion clan goals? All of their clan goals are about being sneaky and laughing at the rest of us. <laughs> you know, you about their magistrate uh, treaty, and a couple people in the Unicorn were like, well, this is just a way for them to get spies in among us and everything else. And I said, look, we changed it where if they come into Unicorn lands, they have to you know, get word to the local authority or whatever else. If they arrest anybody, they have to bring them before the local authority. They can't just drag people away or anything like that. And I said, but honestly, the scorpion wants spies in unicorn lands. Would you rather not know where they are? <laughs> or would you rather go, oh, look, it's their magistrates. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I'd much rather take them the right in plain view. Yeah, I think that one was a little more sent off warning signals than their the other infiltration goal because you sort of didn't really get why they, they never really conveyed that well why it was that they all of a sudden had this need for cross border magistrates and I know the treaty that we ended up signing with them because I was not going to get into all the the nitty gritty of that really lengthy document that they came up was you can, you can do cross border magistrates in the colonies exactly the same as we do them in the empire. And I'm not really sure if we do them in the empire at all, honestly, but that's what we can, that's what we can do because Harumi sees no reason why there should be different rules in the colonies than there should be in the empire. So I don't know, but that was a little, but the, the, the marriage one was a little interesting. I noticed like the, the mantis would be like, we we exchanged 20 marriages with the scorpion. I'm like, well, Shizuka must have loved that one. <laughs> well, you know, and Shizuka wanted, I think we, we had six marriages, like three scorpion marrying into the unicorn and three unicorn marrying into the scorpion. And that was the highest number that anybody asked for. And I was like, yeah, okay, six is not crazy. I mean, if somebody came up to me and asked for 20, I... I I think I'd have laughed, uh, <laughs> you know, but the whole marriage thing was, uh, you know, people were interested in specific characters and, or, and I, and I said, unless the player, you know, unless that character comes to me and says they want this, I'm not trading off other players' characters to other clans, you know, 
if if it's a great deal, you really want to throw something at me, then I would bring it to the character. But otherwise, I'm just throwing it up to the ambassador, and they can send it to the Nakoto, and and I don't have to be involved. <laughs> yeah, I think they only asked for two Ferraris. On the other hand, I also know that just like we agreed to a number of things from them that we don't think that would really amount to as much as they would uh, hope that they would. I, I imagine that the parts of our agreement that pertain to the Kitsuki method will not actually count for anything in uh, real Roke again. There's enough wiggle room in them. <laughs> so. The deals that, that were made are either, you know, pretty meaningless. I mean, hey, I traded the Scorpion, I think, three slots in the Ivory Legion. You know, or three ivory magistrates. Sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not really sure that it means much right now, but that's what they got. Yeah. Well, of course, we didn't. You know, in character, we wouldn't have any idea that those might not end up being worth much. I did see, though, maybe they traded them, and I just didn't notice. But the imperial delegation had multiple emerald champ, uh, emerald magistrate, and jade magistrate positions available, which are very sexy and i don't remember even the out of character i don't remember ever seeing those mentioned although maybe they were no but i think i think there was a little bit of i don't know if the dragon had anything that falls into this category but i know when i saw the unicorn list of resources and one of the items was a mated pair of utaku steeds and i said there's no way that those are going to be traded absolutely no chance that we trade those and so I don't know if everybody got something that was just so over the top good that you just couldn't trade it. Um, I mean, I know I thought that what you guys did with the tattoos was was a very cool thing at the end. Yeah, and and the tattoos was our equivalent for that. We had just for the benefit of the the people at home. Yeah, the Dragon delegation had six six. Tagashi tattoos, actual mystical tattoos to do in trades. And, and like you guys did with, uh, the steeds, it, it was just like, yeah, we're not trading those. I, I mean, I, the last person I can think of, and there, it may well be that there's somebody that I'm forgetting or somebody that wasn't talked about in the story, but the last person I can think of outside of the dragon who got a Tagashi tattoo was Taturi the third. I, <laughs> And we have six of them here. Uh, and, and yeah, probably in a quote unquote realistic thing. Yeah, they would just be stuck in our pocket and not used. But yeah, we, we thought it would be cooler in the story to be like, okay, well, let's give them to someone then. And that will be more interesting than just never using them at all. And we don't have to worry about like you guys would long term someone actually, some other clan actually now having Utaku steeds. It's not like a tattoos reproduce or anything. Reality is, is a mated pair means that you can have a couple more down the road, but you don't have any way to avoid, you know, inbreeding. Um, so it's it's not like it's a threat that somebody's suddenly going to be able to match the herds of the unicorn, but still, it's 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 the sort of thing that was given as a gift to the Empress in Winter Court too. You know, that's who gets those. Nobody else. Um, so, yeah. all of us right away at the very beginning, we were kind of like, yeah, that's just not going to happen. But 
I mean, there was, there's a lot that goes on in Winter Court. I know, uh, I know Dan, Dan made his reference to, uh, people spending too much time with sexy time instead <laughs> of goals. And the thing is, for a lot of people, the goals were pretty easy. I mean, I had the, the trade rights nailed down by, I want to say day 15, day 16 with everybody but the lion. And the lion was a problem because of the Yodatai thing. And after that, it's sort of, you get into, well, what else do we have to do? You know, you, you find threads that look interesting and you jump into. And, and you know, and some of the stuff was fun. The draw lot play, I thought, was one of the, the most entertaining events that went on in terms of, you know, giving everybody an in-character way of kind of letting your hair down and, and showing the world your ass to a certain extent and it being okay within that context. And, and then there was, of course, Harume's performance at the uh, the drinking competition. <laughs> the poor guy. The dice the dice did not favor him. And say so you, you were out in round one, I believe. Yes. Well, the the the, the rules again. I, I know you know them, Ralph. But the yeah, the rules as uh, Rixie Itsuko put them up were that you had to roll starting with drink one, and it was something like you're making a raw earth roll against the difficulty of I think five plus the round that it was. So you know, even when you're having your first drink, you have to make a raw earth roll and. I rolled, and and it wasn't GMs or anything. It was just you know roll your dice at home and then tell Itsuko what your result was. And I rolled all ones on the first roll, <laughs> and unsurprisingly, Harumi does not have Earth Six, so all ones does not succeed. And since that was such a spectacular failure of the dice, I figured I would have him uh, dramatically fail <laughs> with the alcohol. Like I don't. I don't know how that's even physically possible, but let's roll with it. I mean, there's obviously some characters who spent the vast majority of their time pursuing um, other characters. Um, there were some characters who spent the majority of their time being pursued. And, and then I think there were instances where it made sense for people in character you know with Harume and Noah um Taehyun had a couple of of scenes that that popped up that uh that might have fallen into Dan's definition there but they they weren't really what the character was about mm-hmm. uh, they they just sort of came together that way and and I think when when those situations happen I don't know if organically is the right way to put it, but in a way that makes sense for the characters involved, then then you should roll with it. If that's what your character would do, then 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 you let the situation develop in that way. And I know the scene uh that Taehyun had with Moro was uh it started out um as much to tweak um Makabezu than as anything else because he was you know in in character he was obviously uh you know discomfited by by the two of them wandering off together and <laughs> um, you know I don't know if uh 
if I should should mention it or not, but I will anyway. Um, apparently, he was sending uh, PMs to Moro's player um, while that that scene was playing out, and and was was not entirely thrilled with with the way it was going. <laughs> so, you know that that became sort of a point of of you know a laughing point for me. Yeah, I, I think in general, anytime you had um, one of the, I guess, high-volume targeters, as far as sexy time goes, uh, strike out or fail, I, I think I was usually rooting for them to to strike out, and it amused me when they did. But uh, Well, somebody, uh, <laughs> after, after the court was over, somebody made the comment of, you know, you you didn't really go out of your way to make this happen, but your character still managed to be end up involved with, you know, a one character who was a lesbian and the other one who was being chased by everybody. You know, how did you pull that off? And I said, well, it just it just things happen. You know, I mean, it wasn't wasn't a case of him, you know, pursuing. You know everything that moved, like like some characters did, um, and there was the, uh, I guess um, somebody made the comment to me that you know when you say who would really respond to all of the like painfully obvious and not convincing innuendo that was getting thrown around in some circumstances and and the answer was well female characters that are being played by male players <laughs> the exact same type of gamer who would make said innuendo really right i mean right and i mean i get it though if that's what your character is about i mean if your character has you know lechery or whatever it is then then you have to kind of go down that road a little bit. I think that's part of Winter Court from an out-of-character perspective. That's just something that people do. It does make it more interesting. I mean, I it's sort of going in the other way, but I... You mentioned yeah, Harumi's thing with Noah. That that developed organically. That had no... Uh, that had no outside coordination, really, other than... oh. Did you want a tea or a walk? What was he, you know? And although I think, uh, going and looking back on it, I think what happened was that Noah set her sights on Harumi and then, uh, <laughs> got what she wanted. Uh, <laughs> but at the end, I mean, I, I did that too, right after, after Noah and then Satoshi got arrested. I basically decided, well, let's just stick the knife in, in Harumi and twist it around there a little bit and, and see what we can do to him. So, you know, it's like, ah, oh, we've got all the treaties done. Uh, this is, this is part of it, it too. And I guess, right, that's supposed to be in character, something that people do. They run around and have all these romances. It's just that real courtly romances don't have to start from nothing and then be com- concluded within 30 days like they do within this sort of artificial context. Well, you know, how many people within days of or or minutes of <laughs> morrow were declaring their undying love for her um you know i mean that's a little bit crazy and 
I guess the way that I played Taehyun is, and, and to a certain extent, I, I joke that I was typecast because, you know, I'm closer to his age than, um, than I would be to any of the other characters that were played at Winter Court is that if you're a reasonable guy of that age, then you know how to have a conversation with a woman and still be polite, but, but be a little flattering. And if, if a woman responds to that, then it's pretty easy to let that develop and you can do it in a friendly way or it can become a little more than friendly, but it's certainly not a stretch and and you can look at at Taehyun's conversations with Noah and Shizuka and Moro and Makoto and any of the other women that he negotiated with that's always thrown in there and he's complimentary he's a little flirtatious and if they respond to it then then he keeps going with it um and in most cases they just acknowledge it and they like it and you know it's not going any past that point and that's, you know, that's the way it usually works. And every once in a while it, it gets, you know, it goes beyond that. Um, in the case of Moro, she put some things out there to him that really, you know, made it obvious that she was not this frail little flower that everybody saw and that his recognition of that um was a you know a sort of a, a jumping off point for the two of them and the fact that they were able to you know really like build a friendship beyond that point you know because her whole thing with Toshiguri that happened at the end that resulted in them uh you know being pulling themselves out of the battle and a scene between Taehyun and the two of them at the Crane Embassy where I think he said something to the effect of, well, we'll be out there, two of you are sitting back here in comfort. <laughs> which which didn't really go over all that well, but it was it was appropriate to the situation and, and, and it was really a, a fun scene that developed out of that because you know, he didn't really say it in a nice way, but he was, for the most part, right about it. Um, that they had pulled themselves out of the fight because of what they did. And, you know, and, and if that groundwork hadn't happened with each of those characters prior to that, that whole interaction never happens. And I think that's what really makes a long playing, uh, play by post game like this work is that you develop relationships with characters um, based on multiple interactions that allow for the really dramatic things to come come to be. Okay. Well, we have definitely wandered past the hour mark here, so let me ask if you had any more Winter Court 3 thoughts or L5R thoughts that you wanted to put out there before we wrap it up. No, I think, uh, I think, I guess the only thought I have is that it's going to be interesting to see how the Kote season 
choices come out. The last time I can remember people having this much of an impact with individual characters are Feeding Hills Cote was the first one and the Daidoji... Is it the Daidoji cavalry personality whose name I'm not remembering who got tainted was, I mean, everybody lost their mind. And, and that's how those decisions went that entire season. Um, it was like, uh, you know, bounties that were crazy to save people or taint them or kill them. I mean, it was, you know, so I, I'm hoping that we won't get into that level of, uh, of craziness this season, but. It should be entertaining. Um, the other thing I'm really happy about is that Taehyun was a character that was created from uh, another unicorn player, AJ Valley, uh, went Opaz, and and he's he's a friend of mine. So it was fun to play his character really in in this, and then to see him featured in the fictions and in in the one that came after the uh, scenes from the Empire. Um, so I'm sort of hoping to see a little bit more of, of Taehyun in, uh, in the fiction that come out and, you know, but that's it. We're, we're gearing up for cards now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard not to, uh, sort of breathe, live and breathe as the character for two and a half months or however long we did without kind of living with them. I've, I, it's sort of be like, oh, come on, Harumi, don't don't you think he should be the warlord of the Empire, other dragon players? I mean, do we really have anyone else we would want to pick? Come on! Why should a gamekeeper not become warlord? I, I mean, hey. If you think about it, like the uh, Moto Agaru, Ogre's card, basically. Uh-huh. If you know Ogre and Panda, they're, you know, it's it's a, it's a cool card for them to have happen. And I don't think that I could name that card if I made the top, you know, made the cut after Swiss, because if another player decided, yeah, I'm going to kill that guy, (laughs) I feel terrible. I have to pick characters that I really don't care that much about. Um, And then if I win, I can start caring about them. Um, but my 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 skill set seems to be in finishing second at Cote's, so (laughs) I don't worry about it too much. Yeah, or having my deck win in somebody else's hands. That's happened too. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think, like you said, we've carried on here for a little bit longer than maybe anticipated. Um, that's, so that's okay. You still haven't gotten up to Dan, Dan's, uh, time quite yet. I can, I can get there if you let me keep talking. <laughs> but. Yeah, see, the, the problem is that I, uh, after we finish the talking, then I have to go back and listen to the whole thing again, uh, <laughs> and make sure the sound is uh, clear and all that. So, ah, uh, well. But thanks, uh, thanks a lot for coming on. I appreciate you asking me to do it, and uh, and it's been fun. You know, I, I look forward to listening to myself and the other interviews that you're doing. Okay. Well, for. Strange Assembly, this is Chris Stevenson. I've been talking to Ralph Tropiano, and onward to Cote season.
You've been listening to Strange Assembly. You can download more episodes of Strange Assembly on iTunes or from our website at www.strangeassembly.com. While you're at our website, you can check out the frequently updated main page or talk with us on the forums. You can also email me directly at chris at strangeassembly.com or you can follow Strange Assembly on Facebook or Twitter. Strange Assembly, either place. Thanks for listening.